Hi, you're listening to Kate and Catherine, and we're going to show you how to find your Prince Charming so that you can finally live happily ever after <laughs> forever and ever. No. No. <laughs> no. We are definitely not going to do that. We are sick of that story, and it's a lie. It is a lie. You're listening to The New Truth, a modern woman's guide to extraordinary love. We are going to show you how the fairy tale love story stops you from experiencing the love you truly desire. Listen to hear how to break free from sacrifice and struggle in relationship. And learn the new truth about love in a way that you've never heard it before. We're so happy you're here. Keep listening. All right, loves, episode 91 with Audrey Kens. Thank you so much for being with us. And we are going to dive into the truth about people pleasing. And it is just Audrey and I today. Kate is off exploring Greece and will be back and really, really excited for this conversation and for your time and for your truly innovative, like paradigm shifting teaching around people pleasing, would you say? Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Thank you. You're welcome. And you just released an extraordinary book, The Whimsical Rebel, (laughs) Break People Pleasing Addiction Without Becoming an Asshole. So we're going to talk about that today and talk about what an extraordinary story you have. So you and I met at an energy work training many, many years ago. And Mm -hmm. for all the horrible shit about Facebook, I'm also really grateful for Facebook, (laughs) right? We, We all are holding that tension of what a gift it is to watch people's life change and unfold and be a part of their story. And so of course it was not intimately part of your story, but I did watch what was happening in your life. And I've been following you and feel really really grateful to get to have this conversation with you today. Thank you so much. That's a really, uh, that's a really great way to frame that because there is part of me that's like, I feel so connected to people online. And then it also, I'm like, that's so creepy. (laughs) Like like, I've been watching you. I know. (laughs) I know. And, and how much courage it takes to be vulnerable yeah. online, you know, and I like that we all think we know celebrities because we watch their pictures, <laughs> right? <laughs> like I get that we don't really know them and we're not watch, and I couldn't possibly know the story until we get right. to hear it now. Right. Yeah. And so everyone gets to hear the heart of you today and of your beautiful, generous offering to the world on how to break free from people pleasing addiction. Thank you. So let's let's start because I imagine this will take us into your story. But mm-hmm. why people pleasing? Like I imagine there was a tick that happened for you of either being caught in this yourself and then of course getting interested in what was going on around it. Let's start there. Yeah. Uh, so the, the tipping point for me, just, just for me to realize like, uh, shit, you know, um, maybe what I'm doing isn't healthy. Uh, I grew up in a family culture of people pleasing strong, strong, strong codependency and martyrdom syndrome. And, uh, I would not consider myself one of them. Like I would watch my mom or I would watch my grandmother. I would watch all these people do these things. I'd be like, Oh, 
that's so heartbreaking that they're really just like throwing themselves under the bus for the benefit of someone else. Uh, and I would sit there and judge and point fingers. And then I realized, oh my God, I technically am a child bride. I got married very young and I was in college for a degree that I had no interest in because my husband at the time was uncomfortable and scared of going to college on his own. So I was like, oh, well, I'll boy. do it with you. <laughs> so it's just like, wow. I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm going, I'm, I was probably writing like a final paper or some nonsense I didn't care about. And, uh, I was just like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm doing what my entire family does. Why am I doing this? This is ridiculous. And, uh, and then there were so many, just little, little ticks after that, that just kept affirming it. And I kept having to course, you know, correct. And it's interesting. Cause it's, I imagine this little cartoon of myself course correcting, you know, just being like, Ooh, so proud of myself with each little correction, but still like barreling toward a cliff and not even knowing. It. <laughs> yeah. 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 I really relate to that. And I, at least for me, I didn't have any women in my life or any adult. I mean, it really was women in my life at the time of watching someone stand up for themselves or do yeah. things for themselves. Like that was my family culture too. And what, uh, I mean, everyone comes to that spiritual awakening at some point of like, wait, like you can witness yourself, right? Like, wait, yeah. how do I, I have the feeling of like, how'd I get here? wait, I'm in college. So, you know, I didn't know if I wanted, didn't know if I wanted to come, let alone study, right. This thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was, um, and it was especially, uh, confusing because the family culture that I grew up in, the women were all really strong, really outspoken, mm. uh, really independent, uh, physically strong, like crafty, handy, all the things. Um, so it was very confusing. Wow. Even to recognize in beyond that, you know, oh, but you're still like just completely putting yourself out for, um, and I, in the book, I do want to say this as kind of a side note in the book, I do use the term that's a casual term, uh, but I do use the term, you know, like stop killing yourself for the benefit of others. Um, but, uh, since the release of the book, I've, um, I just noticed it probably cause I heard it a million times while I was reporting the audiobook. Um, but I, would like to help create a shift in language around that um, to anything other than that term of killing yourself. Cause it's, it's just culturally insensitive um, for uh, suicide mm -hmm. prevention and, and all of those things. So um, I might flubber around that as I'm trying to find new words, you know, uh, mm -hmm. to describe it, but yeah, just watching these women that I full heartedly believed um, and not necessarily the lie, but I full heartedly believed, uh, the identity that they really pushed out that really was just a survival mechanism to uphold all of the overgiving and the self-sacrificing. Yeah. Thank you for that about the shift in language. And I was mm -hmm. going to offer a sacrifice, right? Sacrificing yeah. self or, just the, for me, my people pleasing felt like soul crushing, right? Like I just could get, I got smaller and smaller and smaller with every decision of going against my intuitive truth or what I actually needed yeah. or wanted. Yeah. 
yeah, sacrificing is a, is a great way to put it. Convincing yourself that the, the self gaslighting that we do to convince ourselves that, no, this is what I actually want. You know, but uh, yeah. Say more about that. What does self gaslighting sound like? (laughs) Oh, mm -hmm. let's paint a picture for people. (laughs) It's, it's real cute. Uh, it is, it's this thing where there's something that doesn't feel right, you know, about what, what, even if it's just a simple decision, right. There's something that just doesn't feel right about it, but it's so blurry and it just, you're not sure where the discomfort is coming from. So then you pick an easy passage. That means that you barrel through. So you pick a, oh, well, I'm just not dedicated enough or, oh, well, uh, I'm just Mm. self-sabotaging if I worry about it too much or uh, all of the things that can be really motivational and beneficial when we look at things that way. But we use that same, uh, like suck it up, buttercup, self-gaslighting, push, push, push. And then before we know it, we are years into whatever decision that was, and we can't even remember why we actually wanted to, we can remember the reasons, right? We can remember the gaslighting excuses, but we can't remember the want of when we made the decision. If Kate, if Kate were here, she'd bring in how many of her clients, um, have said they knew on their wedding day, walking Mm. down the aisle, the, the sick feeling of this is not right. And went through it anyway. Um, And so it's just so much. And, and what I've appreciated, at least what I've heard so far and, and reading some of your content, the clear compassion that you offer people when talking about this. And, and even before we hit record, we talked about how, and maybe we can go here for a moment of like the myths of people pleasing and what you're like yeah. the new paradigm of people pleasing that you're taking a stand for, because even it sounds like we could self gaslight ourselves by doing, I'm a people pleaser, <laughs> right? Like, like taking on that label can be yeah. shaming too. Um, yeah. so what, what let's like really do a, I want to reframe and like bust the myth of around people pleasing. Yes. Oh, that's so right. Using, uh, and, and we use labels God, so often, so often, right? Uh, I was traveling uh, abroad recently and having an incredible discussion uh, with a person from Belgium. And uh, they were telling me, they were just like, wow, you Americans just have a label for everything. Like you have a personality type for everything, for every nuanced feeling. And you just have so much language around it. Doesn't that get exhausting? And I was like, yeah, but it, <laughs> it helps us feel really seen. Uh, mm. And after talking a bit about the distinction between our two languages of that uh, mm. uh, there uh, in Flemish, there's really, there's only like one word for what we have like seven words for, and wow. there's not a nuance. So it's just kind of like, get to the point, get over it, you know? <laughs> uh, and once we got past kind of that bluntness and that understanding, uh, They said, so wouldn't it be fair to say that you can use all of these labels as an excuse? And I was like, ouch, but yes, (laughs) (laughs) I see you. And yes, absolutely. And it happens because there's this, well, I'm just a people pleaser. You know, it's just what I was born to be. It's just, it's just who I am. And there's that whole, uh, implication of there's no changing it. It's who I am. 
And alongside that comes all of the creating casual language around it. Uh, just like people have done with, with OCD of when they're neat and tidy, they're like, Oh, laugh about it. And like, Oh, it's just my OCD. Like, no, that's an act is a very real thing. It's a very physiological thing. And it's not the same at all. And it's not, you're not going to go find a quirky cup at target little mug that says I'm such a people pleaser. Like, no, it's, it's devastating. And it's not a personality type. It's not a personality trait. Uh, it's not even a personality disorder. Uh, and it's really important to me, which is why the word addiction is on the front of the book, uh, which can be incredibly triggering for some people, but it's so important for me to have this held and looked at as a behavioral addiction, uh, no different than sex addiction, gambling, shopping, eating, like any kind of behavioral addiction where you find a way to manufacture dopamine, you find a way to create that survival mechanism that hit. And then that's what you use throughout your life. Uh, and people pleasing, it's hard for, I think others to distinguish it as a behavioral addiction or even with the word addiction, because it's hard to pinpoint the path of destruction mm. because the path of destruction is just the addict in people pleasing because outwardly it seems to benefit everyone else. Right. And the path of destruction besides really twisted, um, manipulated relationships, the path of destruction is simply sustained by the victim itself or the, the addict itself. So it it ends up being um, kind of an eye roll conversation sometimes like, oh, that's not the same. Like, okay, but it, it really is because mm-hmm. uh, if I'm substituting something that I need to be looking at, uh, if my world is shaken up and I'm triggered into a survival mechanism, I'm going to reach for that hit of needing to feel liked and loved. And it, yeah, it's just no different. I'm thinking about, well, one, I identify as an addict. I'm, I'm sober 12 years now. Thank you. I know all about the, the soul crushing behavior patterns. And as someone who actually found relief through the naming of love addiction, right? Like no one at the time knew how to help me around that. It was just like, why can't you just stop with this person? Like, why do you keep going back to them? And <laughs> just then stop. I feel more and more shame about it. And yeah. then I met a beautiful relationship coach who just was like, oh, this is love addiction and there's a path of healing. Yeah. And there's probably a difference between the individual who every once in a while, like does the little given go against my intuition. And then the person who literally like the, and this is for me, codependency, right? Like the Mm -hmm. never operating from a sense of self, which is what prevents any ability. Like the person will, what do I don't even know what I need. I don't even know what I want. I don't even know what I like. I don't even know my whole life has been doing for others or filtering through external referencing. So I really, I have goosebumps actually, um, hearing you just like put the like stake in the ground of this is a behavioral addiction and you can reclaim your life. And there's a path of recovery for you essentially. Right. Yeah. It's, um, there's even one of the stories in the book, uh, is my favorite color, a rainbow, Uh, because something that, um, in my past coaching business, something that my clients 
consistently, no matter where they were coming from in life, no matter which type of people pleaser they were, a consistent thing that would come out of their mouths is, I don't even know what my favorite color is. And it's just when you're in that, especially depending on where you're at on the spectrum uh, of the types of people pleasing or the depth of your addiction, when you are existing solely in that survival mechanism of it's okay, I don't really have to look at things. I don't really have to look at my deep, deep, deep need to control the uncontrollable because I have this pot of dopamine that I can just dip into. I can just overgive here, overgive there. I can just uh, create and manipulate people's perceptions of me and I can create how the world sees me and I can do all these things. And really you're just walking around with this cardboard cutout of yourself. That's not you because it's just been this uh, defense mechanism, like this armor with like a smiling face and you haven't been able to sit with yourself long enough to know anything about yourself. You can name everyone else's favorite color, right? And then I'm thinking about, we then want a relationship <laughs> from, <laughs> from that place. Like, uh-huh. ah. <sighs> yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are so many different- ways that I've been, um, that I was not expecting, especially being like, well, I wrote a book on it. There's so many ways that I have just not been expecting to be confronted still in uh, this behavioral addiction in my current relationship. Just so many ways of being like, oh, wow, I actually, oh, I actually have to sit with myself and be in this and not manipulate and force the person that I love to make it all feel better because I don't want to look at it. Can you give an example? <sighs> yep. So, uh, when my fiance and I, when we first started dating, uh, one of, it was the first, it was probably like maybe the third or fourth time. It was when we first started sleeping in the same bed together. And in my past relationships, I was like a cuddle muffin, like just right. I, obviously I was like a human pit bull. I was like, just touch me <laughs> and make me feel like I'm connected and loved at all times, even when I'm sleeping. And uh, they're incredibly independent and individually space oriented. And I love sleep. I adore sleep, but I met someone who loves sleep even more. (laughs) And, uh, at one point, uh, because I would, which is a, a typical people pleasing thing to do. I would half wake up in the middle of the night and realize that we weren't touching. And I'd just be like, you know, and just like, just touch her back or whatever. And then she'd roll over. And at one point she goes, she woke me up really gently. And she goes, Hey, um, do you need something? And I was like, (laughs) deep down, I went, yes, I need you to make me feel better. (laughs) I need you to answer all of my insecurities and all of my questions. And I need you to wake up to make me feel like you still love me in the middle of the night. But then I had to sit and go, no, I don't actually need anything. She was like, okay, well, if you have a bad dream or something, wake me up. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. And it was, uh, we, it was kind of like this clear, like, Hey, I just don't like to be touched and woken up in my sleep. It sucks for me. And then we slept apart, like physically apart. And it was the best sleep I'd ever gotten 
Mm. And I woke up and I was like, (laughs) and it's, it's been, and of course there've been much uh, stronger versions of that and those um, reckonings and sitting with self that I've had to, to confront uh, along the way is, but that, that was the first one that I was like, oh my God. Wow. Thank you for that. So many Um, people can relate to like this looking for someone else's behavior. Like we have to see it as we are trying to be connected. Like mm -hmm. that's how I understand the people pleasing behavior. Like it is a longing to belong, to be connected, to be liked and to be Mm -hmm. loved. But of course it can't actually ever be felt because it's an image of who you are. It's a facade. It's not rooted in any reality. And I love that example because I can think of many transformational moments in my relationship where I actually honored myself. And then as a result of doing so, even if it was an up an argument or a disagreement, right. felt more connected to my husband after that. <laughs> And who do we, we all we have this fantasy idea that like get, you know i can't maintain an individual sense of self while also being connected to right. somebody else in relationship and that's what i want for all of us in the world that we can all have that tension and of course yeah. choosing authenticity and vulnerability and honoring of self and be yeah. doing the work like you just beautifully described of actually being with my own feelings. I'm sure there's many people that can't even get to that point of like, oh, this is my insecurity that I'm trying to fix right now that I want them to fix. I mean, it's like just yeah. everybody spend a week watching that. Right. Just, <laughs> watching, just tap into it. <laughs> just watching how often other people need to change. This is the like good morning text bullshit, (laughs) right? Like (laughs) I'll feel more connected if they send a good morning text rather than I'll feel more connected when I learn how to actually just sit with myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so interesting because it's, it's when you were talking about like the, the need to feel connected and plugged in, I just like, there's this visual of just like, right. It's this plug, right. We all have like a plug and we all have an outlet and as beautiful as it is to be able to ask for what you want and need, you know, those moments were like, Hey, I need physical touch. I, I need to feel connected to you. I like, that's great. But realizing when we're leaning into it as uh, a form of self-medicating and it's never going, it's, it's uh, a vicious cycle. It's never going to make you feel because the internal feeling is I want to feel like this person wants to plug into me but then you go and forcefully plug into them. So it's a fake version of what you wanted. And then it doesn't feel good. And the other person definitely doesn't feel good about it. They're like, Oh, thanks. I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. It's the, the empty. I mean, when you don't have yourself like capital S nothing's ever enough. And essentially you just, you keep coming back to those dopamine hits right? Like the never enough, I'm going to keep needing the hit. I'm going to keep needing the habit, but I never actually feel loved. And you mentioned types of people pleasers. Let's dive, (laughs) let's dive into that. What are the types? Yeah. So, uh, I do realize now that I already referred to myself as a pit bull because of my text shot, my textile clingy nature of like, touch me, love me. (laughs) Um, but, uh, there are, I being able to see in my family, the different 
types that there were. Um, cause I could see my sister sacrificing herself mm-hmm. in, in a completely different way than I saw my mother sacrificing herself or my grandmother, uh, or even my father. And when it finally came to me realizing that, Oh, <laughs> I'm part of that too. Uh, I realized that even I was completely different and, uh, I ended up creating a quiz to find out what type of people pleaser you are, because there is a spectrum, mm-hmm. uh, and one type isn't worse than the other, or, you know, more far gone than the other. Uh, there is one end of the spectrum that is more intense energetically, um, and gives more resistance to come back from. Uh, and then there's the other side. So it kind of goes from the societal norm of a people pleaser or, um, a, a doormat or a yes man, you know, the, and I, I called that one, the mouse and just, just the, you know, it's okay. I was meant to take care of people. No, don't worry about me. You know, just the very quiet, uh, pushover type, um, which is, and there are so many resources for that kind of type out there. Uh, and especially as it dips into, uh, narcissistic abuse victims and that kind of, um, echoist mentality and the fawning, but then it swings all the way to the other side of the spectrum where, uh, the type that I've dubbed the Phoenix. And that is that, well, if you want to have anything done, right, you have to do it yourself. Mm -hmm. That is, I'm going to light myself on fire to warm the world, but also be bitter about it. And just, uh, so invested in the stories, um, that everything will fall apart. Uh, people will suffer. People will die. All of these really intense, deep stories around why the sacrificing is okay. Uh, and then there's in the middle, uh, and again, not in some sort of ratio or level, but in the middle of the spectrum, definitely not in balance <laughs> is the pit bull. Uh, and the pit bull is this type, uh, that I identify as where it's this like super loyal, cheerleader just doesn't actually give a fuck uh, doesn't actually care what people think about oh, you them. can swear on this oh podcast. thank god <laughs> <sighs> you can swear on this podcast. thank god okay well that yes. actually doesn't give a fuck about what people think right and that type it's hard for them to even distinguish themselves as a people pleaser because it's like no i don't care But the trick is, is that they don't care about people who they're not trying to get love from. So there's a handful of people, the people that they've designated in their faux value system, people that they've designated as worthy of their intense overgiving and love. They, they give several fucks about what those people think about them. And, uh, yeah, those are, those are the different types. (laughs) So important. I'm thinking of all my lovely codependent ride or die, (laughs) right? Yes. The ride or die. Oh my gosh. The ride or die people in relationship are the pit bulls. I love that. Yeah. I love that. But right. Totally look sneaky and may not say to themselves like, oh, I'm a people pleaser in the conventional, you know, looking for support around that, but total total pattern. I love that. The mouse, the Phoenix and the pit bull. Uh (laughs) Epic, 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 epic. And with your methodology, you know, where do you think maybe naming 
what is not helpful for people pleasing recovery? Like what, or what people would think is like, how do I unlearn this? And then what your book's about. (laughs) Yeah. Um, the leading thing that I see out there in resources, which was, uh, one of the big reasons why I had to create a methodology for myself. Um, the biggest not helpful thing is to adopt the, well, I'm just not going to give a fuck. Right. Like, uh, learn, learning not to give a fuck. Um, and not that I'm, I actually haven't read, I think there's a book with that title and I don't even know if it oh, yeah. is around this, people pleasing. I don't um, know. I've never read it, but there is a book called the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Yeah. Um, so this isn't, I haven't read that book. This has nothing to, it's not a commentary on that. Um, but it is this, this overall, like, oh, I have to become a hard ass that just doesn't care if people like, and love me. Um, and that's so, mm-hmm. it's so unhelpful, <laughs> uh, yeah. because the, the want, the want to be loved, the ability to love so ridiculously, uh, cause that's unlocked, right? When you are a chronic overgiver, you unlock this place. It's like one of the little gifts that comes with that sacrifice. You unlock this place where you can love so ridiculously and so passionately and so fully and so, um, full surrender just all or nothing. And that's beautiful. And that shouldn't be squished. That shouldn't be dampened down. Uh, it's the place where our survival mechanism is built around that, that needs to be changed. But all of the, all of the gorgeous things that make you a giant child, right? Like running around and chasing butterflies, like that can all stay there. That's fine. You can be whimsical. You can be ridiculous. You can be stupidly romantic and put so much effort into your date nights. And like, you can do all of these things. Mm. You can show up in unbelievably surprising ways for people that you love and want to take care of. And it not have to be about, uh, you forcing love on other people and in turn organically stealing Mm -hmm. or stealing their ability to organically love you back. Uh, but yeah, that's the most unhelpful is the whole, like, I'm just not going to give a fuck. Uh. (laughs) I love this. I love this. I'm thinking of one of my mentors actually when talking about addiction once, um, said you are not bigger than your biology. And it was one of the most humbling things that I'd ever heard around just being human and how often we try and outthink our physiology or Uh when I'm working with couples, like if you're stressed out, you don't, you do go to bed angry because trying to keep talking from a stressed out place is not actually helpful to you or your relationship, right? Get regulated, learn how to calm down. And I, the biology is we are wired to connect. We are wired Mm. to love and be loved, but we get to do it from the place of self-honoring and authenticity rather than shape-shifting, sacrificing, or making somebody else's needs more important than our own. Yeah. The shape-shifting is so what that's exactly the point of it um uh is when we try to convince ourselves like oh well i'll just be this way 
but like, that's not who you are, right? you know? And so you're shape-shifting and you're just putting on a different disguise and that's going to be exhausting too, because now you've, you're denying yourself your addiction and you're under-resourced. Right. So now you're just fucking miserable. Like that's, that's, it's, it's no different than, you know, uh, tackling food addiction. You know, you don't have to learn to not like food. Like you don't have to suddenly not get excited about pasta or whatever your favorite food is. You have to conquer the part and, and drive into recovery with love. The part of you that uses what you like in food and the comfort of it as a means of survival. Right. Yeah. And the acting like we're not going to care. I just love that. Like we are going to care. <laughs> we do care <laughs> deeply about being loved and being cared about back, but we get to do it now. I mean, there is nothing like having was part of why I became a relationship coach. There is nothing like being seen and known and understood and loved for who you actually are (laughs) and having someone want to stick around for that. Right. That sure beats out maybe having 50 people really enjoy the facade of the self-sacrifice. Right. Yeah. And there's so much, it's a different kind of energy output, right? Very much. When you're putting out energy to hold up this cardboard cutout of yourself, it's this negative churning, anxious, frenetic, just ah, tense energy. But if you're using energy to develop and foster your own identity, when you're using this energy to do, to have hard conversations, when you're using this energy to do big things, like it's different, it's still a big energy but it's completely different. And it's a, it's a reciprocal energy at that point, instead of it just being like (laughs) exhausting use of energy. Yeah. So any other myths we have to break about unhelpful people, pleasing recovery Mm. besides the thinking you can just get to a point of where you don't care at all. (laughs) You just don't care. Um, yeah, uh, there is, Oh, and I was, I was having this conversation in bed last night with Jordan and, uh, there I've been getting, um, I've been getting disappointed a lot lately with other humans, um, people not showing up, mm-hmm. uh, especially in, in the professional spectrum, um, be like it, you know, one of those self-pitying moments where like, I've been so clear in my communication and what I wanted and what I needed and what I was willing to pay for, or what, you know, this, this just seems it's starting to seem unfair. Like there's just been so many back-to-back disappointments mm-hmm. that it's, I'm, it's starting to push me into that, like, you know, horoscope lesbian realm where I'm like, it just must be mercury and retrograde. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck. So, um, but we were laying there and I was trying to figure out why it all felt so bad. And, uh, Jordan was relating to me, uh, and telling me that she was sad for my heart, uh, that they were worried that little bits of jadedness would start to leak in uh, little bits of not wanting to trust people, little bits mm. of, um, really little bits of believing my standards were the problem 
Uh, and because that I can start, when you start trying to figure these things out, you're like, oh, maybe I'm asking too much, right? Maybe I'm just full of myself and I need to get the fuck over it and be happy because maybe this level of quality would be fine for someone else, but I'm just mm-hmm. making it a big deal or whatever. And I sat there and I was like, ouch, okay, how am I creating more disappointment in my life than, than needs to be? And it was around loading on just because I can. Mm. So, uh, for instance, there is the special edition launch of this book where I was creating this beautiful special edition copy it was cloth bound foil embossing, like all the things. And, uh, last night I just decided, uh, with, with the help of my partner that, oh, I've created this huge thing. That's been a constant problem. It's been backed up, backed up, backed up. Uh, I had a graphic designer quit with the words and I quote, I'm out. Oh man not a people pleaser. And, uh, one of those things was one of the plates that I was spinning and I was like, Oh, I created this disappointment just because I could, but just because I have the money and the resources to make this thing happen. I realized that I had married, uh, what I call a passion pole instead of just dating it wildly and letting Mm. it expire when it needed to and move on because it moved on. And instead I was just driving it home being like, no, this is what I wanted. This is what I need to get. This is, and it starts to question everything. It starts to make me question humanity, people, quality control, integrity. It starts to make me question my own integrity, my own standards when really it was just, Mm -hmm. oh, I married a standard. I married a passion pole and I was trying to force it to happen. Why? Because I promised people because I sold a digital promise of a signed special edition. Mm-hmm. And so I think the, the second biggest thing is to recognize when you're questioning your standards, cause that's shaky, shaky ground at first for breaking people, pleasing addiction, right? Like you come out and you use your, your big voice and you're like, no, this, this is what I need. And then it's going to get shaken up. It's going to get shut down. It's not going to come out the way you wanted it to. uh, And it's going to scare you. And several times it's going to scare you back into your pocket of comfort, Mm. you know? So I guess uh, more simply put, the success of your communication is not measured by the outcome. So the success of anything you do in your life isn't actually measured by the outcome. Did you do what you set out to do? Holy shit. There are like 15 teaching points inside everything that you just said. (laughs) Not a concise answer. I apologize. No, it was, it was perfect. It was so perfect. So much. I mean, first, when I think of dating, everyone measures by whether or not they get what they want rather than who they're becoming. Mm-hmm. So that, that was perfect. We, I even, we say we date for growth, not mm-hmm. outcome, right? We yeah. live for our growth. We live for who we become as a result of 
exactly. staying true to ourselves, yeah. not backing down. It's like, and, oh, but I made this avatar of my right. perfect partner and it's right. not fulfilling these little things. Yeah. Right. And how often if I don't immediately, I mean, there's a joke right now with all of my clients very lovingly. She sends me a message. She's like, I understand that I've been online dating for 24 hours and I want to quit. And I'm just calling myself out that like it's been 24 hours, but that kind of now we're in the dopamine hits, right? Like the, the meditation, the mindfulness, the actual healing of not reaching for the thing. Cause I can't tolerate the discomfort yeah. and how many women and, and I, my God, I did this right. Since I'm impatient as fuck, <laughs> right. If I don't get what I want immediately, I lower my standards. And I think that's the answer rather right. than holding true. And I think if I'm hearing you correctly, you're still holding to do the book, this, this whole thing in the way you want, right. You're just letting go of how, like, I think yeah, I need so, the takeaway. Yeah. The takeaway for that is I, uh, had stuck true to my story of this is how I'm doing this book and mm. so many complications, so many complications. And I never lowered the standard. Like I was never, you know, went through so many printers being like, Oh, we can do this, but we can't do embossing. I, I learned so many terms that I don't even care to know <laughs> about, about book printing. Um, but then I not once would lower my standard, be like, no, this like, no, it needs to have foil title. It needs to have this. It needs to have, this is the special edition. This is the special one that I'm wanting. Uh, so I never lowered those standards. Um, but then when things were still completely out of alignment, I wasn't letting it go. Mm. And I wasn't recognizing that, oh, right. This idea, it was a great idea. It was a passionate idea. And I'm proud of myself for not lowering my standards, but I also don't have to beat a dead horse, you know? Um, and I had said while we were laying in bed, uh, that I didn't, it, and I was so annoyed with myself, which is usually, I usually get really annoyed when I have like breakthroughs. I'm like, oh, you fucking kidding me. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I don't want this special edition to be another marathon because I had run a marathon in another lifetime and, uh, crossing the finish line was so painful. Uh, I should have quit halfway through, but I just had this story in my head. I was just like, no, I, I said, I was going to do it. So I'm going to do it. And I fractured my foot. I ruptured a bursa in my it band. Uh, the other one swole. It took months to recover. I still, to this day, can't run further than a mile and a half without like level 10 flare up. Mm. And, mm. and I don't feel good about the marathon, you know, since then I've had so many stories around it that tried to convince me of like, no, it's great. I, you know, I powered through, um, but the marathon itself, I have to remind myself when I'm turning other things in my life into that. And so didn't lower my standards but I can absolutely put it down. It's fine. I'm not going to disappoint anyone. No, one's going to be mad, you know, and I can, I can go do something twice as ridiculous as that book for Beautiful. the people that wanted it. Beautiful. That's okay. So that's what I mean by like 25 lessons inside your Epic story about this, <laughs> because 
first is holding the standard and the tension, mm-hmm. right? And not giving in just because it doesn't immediately go the way you want it to. Right now we're talking about dating everyone, <laughs> right? And we're hold, holding a vision for your life even, right? Any yeah. dream. And man, I think I'm actually, I'm probably Phoenix and Pitbull. I probably hang out in both, like- both. Fe- more <laughs> Phoenix was really the like putting out. I loved the analogy about the fire, putting out everybody else's fires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, but the, the practice, cause of something that I, it took a long time for me to learn is, and this is a theme for many of the people I'm working with right now, being able to let go, right? Mm-hmm. Like not forcing, not needing to sacrifice self, <laughs> right. And in the name of completing something, this is for all the people that are hanging on for dear life. And I imagine, I'm curious your thoughts, like the identity that the people pleasing addictions protecting, like the facade, like the image of the cardboard box of I do everything, I make things happen, I follow through, but I'm dying inside, right? Yeah. Like I'm I'm in so much pain. And that was. I mean, gosh, my on again, off again relationship was, I will make this work. I, I will figure this out, you know, rather than really, right. I think imagine this is where we're coming to now of like, obviously your whole book is about, um, supporting people with this, but like one takeaway of what it really takes to break free from this. Um, but for me, it sounded like being able to listen to myself, like for real, like, mm-hmm. what are the honest yeses and nos? Like, where yeah. am I lying to myself around forcing or pushing or ignoring, right? Yeah. Intuitive nudges. Yeah. Cause of but- course you got the whole book that everyone's going to go run and get, <laughs> but we did the, we did two epic myths. What's like one, like real, you want to bring home for people for what it takes to heal. Yeah. It is the, the constant checking in with your own integrity. It is the, and getting, cause there's so many stories, right. That we fully gaslight ourselves into. We fully believe we fully, but because they're holding up our survival. So they're not just strong stories. Like they have to be like, they're so strong and really being able to be in check and have the patience right? Have the stamina, which takes time and it builds it up. And like I said, you're going to get scared back into the little box constantly, but having the stamina to come back out and try again and be able to get through the layers of the stories, get through the first initial line of questioning. Like, is this really what I want? Which is going to have an initial, what three or four or however many stories you have. Well, of course it is because of this, but all of those becauses are going to have someone else tied to it, right? They're going to have, you know, um, of, of course I'm happy in this relationship because I love him. Of course I'm happy where I'm at because I'm great at my job or like, it's going to have something to do with someone other than yourself. Even though we trick ourselves into thinking, no, no, I'm at the front of that sentence because I love him. Nope. 
and having the stamina to get through the layers until you get to the answers that are solely about you. And where did those stand? Right. And how are those out of integrity with everything that you're building around you? And it takes stamina and it's scary and it sucks. And sometimes we gladly go back in the box because, you know, we're like, Hey, I've been out in this all day. I'm, I'm fucking tired. I'm going to go back in the box for a bit because that was painful. And I went through so many of those, uh, so many of those moments, um, with my, my last, my last two relationships, but especially my last relationship of just like, I'm going to make it work. Cause I fucking said I would, uh, I was in that relationship for 11 years and I would come out and in the last, probably the last three years of it, I would come out of my box and I would start to pick at those things. So is this what I actually want? Am I actually happy? Mm-hmm. If I believed all the stories of why I am happy, why do I still feel this crushing, crushing weight? And I, everywhere I look, I'm not seeing an answer. So, and I would do those things where I would come out of the box and I would get, I would exhaust myself, wouldn't find the answer, but I knew that it was so uncomfortable and it felt like exercising, right? It was just so uncomfortable and I didn't get the answer. And then I would go back in my box and just promise to come back out the next day and keep digging, keep digging, you know, maybe go back in the box for an anniversary dinner or a birthday trip or a time with family. But then on the in-betweens, get the strength, come back out, ask the hard questions till I got down to the answers and the becauses that were just about me. And that then that's when it feels like you're just pulling the pin on a grenade, like on your own turf. And you're like, well, so now there's just two things. There's my integrity and there's blowing up my entire life. And that even the simplest things, when you're breaking this behavioral addiction, it can feel that intense. Yeah. Like even if it's not a relationship falling apart or it's not, you know, quitting your career or whatever, no matter the choice, it can feel that big and it's okay for it to feel that big. I forgot what question I was answering. (laughs) It's okay. You, you, we asked what's the first step of Mm. breaking this and, and you named it. And I just am like resting with, well, one, I I'm really receiving your courage and, and every, all the huge decisions you have made to take a stand for your integrity. And I was thinking about that. This is the permission, right. For all women. And that's what you're, I mean, for all people who want to break free from people pleasing addiction, like your book, like this gift that's now going to be able to reach the hands of so many to say like, one, you're not alone, right? Which is the most healing thing that we can say to someone Two, this is not a personality defect. I mean, that's how I feel about codependency in general, right? Like this is not your fault, right? This is, there's nothing wrong with you. And you're not going to find yourself in the eyes of someone else, right? Or in the behavior that you have to give yourself up in order to connect with someone in order to be loved. And when you said the questions or answering the questions for solely for yourself, I was thinking about like the S O L E L Y and S O U L 
like the soul of who you are, which is found only inside your integrity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, That's such an important thing to, to remember that there's nothing wrong with you, right? There's it's everybody, everyone, I will pay a million dollars to someone who can find someone that this is not true for. Right. Don't hold me to that. But <laughs> everyone yeah. is just this gorgeous little human, right? With a span of time between when they're born and when they actually get to take autonomy of their life. And in between then, it's all the traumas. It's, uh, it's all the, and trauma being the worst thing that's ever happened to you personally, not stacked up against other people's traumas. It's the traumas. It's the experiences. It's even all the amazing, good things. It's all the different, uh, interpretations and experiences that you've got to have so far with love or disappointment or grief or excitement Mm -hmm. and all of those things. You as a human are going to develop a survival mechanism period. Every single human does it. And there's just so many kinds. There's so many kinds. And if your particular kind is people pleasing, cool. Now, you know, and now we can get through it, but that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. Like as a person at all. Right. Over and over and over again, (laughs) we'll keep saying it. (laughs) And that the other truth with that is like, and you get to be who you are. Right. You don't have to keep living from this survival place or this learned behavior. There is a path for you. And now there's an epic book for you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you get to be you in it. Yeah. Like it, you're not, not whole because you haven't fixed it yet. That's not like, no, you get to be you hundred percent through the entire process, whether you're in the box for a minute or whether you're out daily practice. Yeah. I keep wishing that there was some faster way for all of my, <laughs> for all my things too. And I keep coming back to like, wow, the answer really is always daily practice. Like, yeah. what are you committed to? What are your rituals? What are the practices of reconnection? Which of course I imagine is what the whole entire book is about. So tell us where we can find the book. Uh, so right now it is available on barnesandnoble.com. Uh, I would prefer for anyone to go to their favorite local independent bookstore and order it through them. So it could directly benefit them. And eventually it will be available also on bookshop.org and you can keep your ears peeled, uh, in the next three ish weeks, uh, the audiobook will be releasing. Ooh. Yeah. Well, I'm has, kind of uh, obsessed with your voice. So <laughs> I really want, want the audible book. Holy smokes. I can feel that healing power. Yes. Yeah, the, and the audiobook is going to be, uh, because we are purposefully staying away from Amazon. Uh, so we won't be using audible. So the book is going to be on findawayvoices.com, which cool. is the direct competitor to awesome. Audible and Kindle. So awesome. The Whimsical Rebel, Break People-Pleasing Addiction Without Becoming an Asshole, everybody. (laughs) Run to get that one. Thank you so much. What an extraordinary conversation. Really, really appreciate you. Thank you. See you soon. Hi, it's Kate. Thanks so much for listening to the New Truth Podcast. 
for more of Catherine and I, come hang out with us in the New Truth Movement Facebook group. We are in there. That's where we're sharing all about our programs and our free workshops that we do. Um, you can come join us there and ask as many questions as you want about the podcast episodes, about dating, relationships, any struggles you're having out there. We would love to support you. So come hang out with us in the New Truth Movement Facebook group and we will see you soon.